Welcome to the Walk Podcast of the Thompson Institute, a podcast for students and faculty on your walk across campus as a resource for your spiritual journey. I'm Aaron Badenhop. And I'm Jordan Browning. And we are your hosts and fellow Buckeyes. Our next guest on the walk is Dr. Peter Vanderpoy. Dr. Vanderpoy is an ancient historian at Ohio State, teaching courses in the world of antiquity and its literature. Originally from the state of Washington, Dr. Vanderpoy moved to Great Britain, where he received a master's degree from the world-renowned Oxford. He received his PhD from Ohio State and is an expert on the Roman Republic. But Dr. Vanderpoy is not a stereotypical history professor. No offense to history professors. He is simultaneously highly intelligent, yet social, laid-back, humble. He's the type of guy you want to get stuck across the table from at a dinner party because you know the conversation will be meaningful and interesting. Without further ado, our conversation with Dr. Peter Vanderpoy. Dr. Vanderpoint, thanks so much for joining us on the Walk podcast. It's a privilege to have the chance to interview you and uh, just re- really look forward to the conversation that we can have. Um, I wanted to start off by, by asking you what I thought might be a little more of a playful question. Uh, so imagine that you did not invest all of these years as a historian. You know, you spent quite a long time yeah. uh, doing master's research, PhD research in ancient history. Um, I don't know if you can imagine going back in time and imagine imagine a fork in the road where you took a different course with your life. But uh, if you could have done that, I know that you like to play guitar. I thought yeah. maybe maybe Dr. Vanderpoy would have been a guitarist in a rock band or something <laughs> like that. Like what yeah. what other what other uh, Vanderpoys path yeah. would you have taken? Do you think? Yeah, that's a good question. And actually, I think yeah, the thing that comes most naturally to mind is something like I think you know when I was maybe eighteen, I thought. Oh, man, it, it would be cool to be a musician. Uh, I was also fairly introverted, though, and, and I, the idea of, you know, being on, you know, on stage and things like that was not that attractive to me. So, of course, I became a lecturer in which I'm in front of a <laughs> class, you know. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I love music and I love playing guitar. I played a variety of instruments. That would have been I, – I just – yeah, I think – I'm not saying I have the chops for it, but I think at one point I did sort of think like, what would it be like to – or what would it take to be a musician? Um, the other thing, I don't know, I think something outside, outdoors, uh, you know, I grew up in Seattle area and it's always skiing or hiking, things like that. Um, I don't know, like park service or something like that. Mm-hmm. Or, or more re- in more recent years, I've thought about, you know, uh, try to be a uh, sustainable farmer or something like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think those are, you know, the things that come most readily to mind. It's hmm. awesome. Yeah. If you could, like, would you mind sharing even part of your your story, like what your spiritual journey has looked like. Yeah. Um, yeah. Even how you got to this point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I grew up, uh, pretty, grew up in a Christian family, um, fairly conservative. Um, both of my parents actually grew up as missionary kids. So there was a long kind of legacy, maybe generational sort of background of growing up in a Christian environment. Um, I think, um, the environment I grew up in was, um, in some ways, you know, had so many, so many strengths and so many 
uh, principles that were, that I was very luckily the kind of recipient of values and things like certain principles and values. And, but there was also some uh, pressures in it too. It was a little bit maybe high on the theoretical knowledge of Christianity of G- and the notion of Jesus and who he was, and but not always the best in terms of um, an emphasis on grace, for example, that, you know, oh, you are a total mess of a human being and just completely loved. Um, and so that didn't always maybe come through. And, and this, I want to be careful here. This is not supposed to be like a critique of my parents or whatever. It's more really a, a, maybe a, a kind of uh, look at, at, at a kind of generational system of sometimes in Christian families, you can actually develop what are sometimes maybe a little bit oppressive or, or, or sad structures. And so by the time I was maybe 17 or so, I think I, I just didn't feel the, the notion of, of grace and really a personal relationship with, with Christ. And um, I, so I was kind of Looking back now, maybe I had some forms of anger and, and, and disillusionment, honestly. Um, I, I, it was a sort of, it felt like a need to kind of perform in some ways and, and to uphold rules. And, you know, even I, I just remember even things like the views towards things like alcohol and stuff were so rigid. And, and, and it was almost like, you know, being human uh, was, you know, really frowned upon. And so I think it, it produced in some ways some maybe fake versions of myself someone who retreated inward and put up false outward kind of notion or appearances. And uh, so, yeah, you know, when I, when I was in college, I think I spent a lot of time kind of uh, with, uh, I think that system produces two responses. You either become a perfectionist, a kind of works-based perfectionist, or you reject the system. And so for me, early college was kind of more about if not outright rejection, just kind of suppressing, you know, the kind of uh, uh, my sort of Christian side, I guess, or making it into one side of me. Um, and spent a lot of time, you know, uh, hanging out with uh, friends, drinking, you know, smoking pot, that kind of stuff. And and basically, you know, by about the middle of my college, I, I think I just kind of burned out, I think, spiritually. Um, when you live in that kind of world where you don't think you're, where you think you're sort of unlovable, um, in that sense, at, at a core, core um, level, maybe, and I think it's it's a rough sort of world to live in, or a rough narrative to live. And I think you know a lot of the, a lot of it was just classic adolescence and the stuff you get up to at that at that age. But also, I think there's some numbing going on of some of the things I felt. Um, and I, so I was very lucky though that I kind of hit a bottoming out point, which I think is also itself the mark of grace reaching into your life. Um, and a couple things, I think intellectually, I read Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis, and it just completely um, woke me up. And then I also read the Ragamuffin Gospel by Brennan Manning, which was just, uh, um, that that healed some wounds. Um, you know, you live in, um, I think to live any other form of identity other than the identity that you are fully known and completely loved by Christ is, is a toxic falsehood if you don't believe. There's no other identity, I think, other than uh, grace. And that woke me up. Those kind of books started to wake me up to that. And I was also very lucky that I also kind of began to shift a little bit of my maybe friend group. Um, I had also found some of the deepest forms of acceptance with some of the people I was getting up to maybe the worst kind of stuff with, which was a lesson it taught me a real lesson that you don't just, you're, you know, it's not about hanging out with the right people or whatever. Um, it taught me, how do I, I kind of identify 
um, on a human level with, with really anybody from any kind of background or, um, it taught me a lot about my own forms of judgment and, uh, my own need of acceptance that could also lead to some problematic behaviors. And, um, so I was very lucky in that I also reconnected with a friend of mine from high school I'd been very good friends with, and she was right away something special, just a kind of weird light, you know, in your life. That's someone that you're just kind of like, you can't put your finger on it, but you know, this person is special and, uh, and, um, it's my, now my wife, Sam. Um, but she was just someone right away that I knew it was like, I need to hang out with her more because I felt that form of, or that, that idea of being completely known and completely loved, uh, by her. Um, and so that, that was really kind of start of a, of a real conversion, my personal conversion, honestly. Um, I grew up in the, in the church. And again, it, that wasn't, the early stuff wasn't meant to sort of critique, you know, my parents in particular or whatever, but to just kind of point out that sometimes, man, you come out of, you can come out of uh, Christian families with some really non-productive, <laughs> non-healthy, unhealthy views. And um, so, yeah, that mid-college period was the point where I had my personal conversion and really began to actually sort of know Jesus. Mm. And that was really in some ways a kind of first, um, for me, not everything changed perfectly overnight. Uh, it's, you know, it's just a long process, but, um, anyway, uh, that, that's, you know, mm. um, sort of, I can, at least a snapshot of, of part of my story, I guess mm. I can yeah. talk more about it if you want, but. No, that's that's great. I imagine that there are a lot of students listening to this who can really relate to mm-hmm. what you're describing because I think there are so many students who grew up in a family where they feel very pressured to conform yeah. to the religious rituals of their parents and the belief system of their parents. Mm-hmm. And uh, There's a lot of students who even come to the campus with their parents saying things like, make sure you find the, yeah. the oh, right yeah. group to be a <laughs> oh, part of. Course, and yeah. and uh, <laughs> And I think there are a lot of students who are really questioning their their upbringing yeah. uh, for a lot of good reasons, actually. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, so it, it's an, it's interesting to hear you describe your your story because I think a lot of people can relate to it. And so thanks for that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there were, I think in some ways there are some you know serious forms of privilege also to my story. I grew up you know classic kind of mm-hmm. suburban middle class. Um, with the ability to kind of screw around maybe a little bit in, in college, even just the ability to go to college is a, yeah. you know, a privilege. And, um, but I also think it's still important to understand that whatever background you, you know, you come from, um, everybody has, uh, has some struggles, um, and they're all valid. Um, you know, anyway. Yeah. Well, I wanted to give the chance for our listeners to understand a little bit more of your your history focus. Um, but I I hope to do that more in layman's terms, because if I know anything about, uh, ancient (laughs) historians, sometimes you get in such a little niche world (laughs) that when you describe your dissertation topic to someone who's not acquainted with that, that, uh, it may be kind of even hard to understand (laughs) what you're, what you're describing. So if you, if you were to talk to some student who has no real understanding of the niche of ancient Roman history, uh, how would you describe what your dissertation is? Like, what did you focus your study yeah. on? Um, yeah, you know, we had, my wife and I have a running joke that I just, it's impossible. I would freeze up anytime someone asked me to what my dissertation was about because, yeah, you just, you want to say so much and I'd end up just breaking down and not being able to say anything, you know. Um, yeah, no, I, I look at um, 
fundamentally what I'm looking at really is agriculture. Uh, I study Roman history. Uh, the Romans are also very well known for war, <laughs> um, uh, when making war on a sort of yearly basis. So I, I really just looked at the connection between, uh, f- you know, small farmers and agricultural community and how that contributes to the production of warfare. And I looked at a very, very early period when the Roman state was really just emerging in Italy, um, because that's when maybe a lot of its characteristics emerged that that kind of make the Romans what we know of, you know, these imperialists, these expansionist kind of people. Um, what it did, though, is it ended up giving me this incredibly deep appreciation for farmers and agriculture. Um, and it led me into, you know, places I, I, I didn't really think I would, you know, be going when I first started to research that. Um, but the other aspect of that that I looked at was uh, debt, uh, D-E-B-T. So mm-hmm. uh, what does agricultural debt look like and how does it connect to other th- things in society like when a state taxes you so that it can pay soldiers and make war and things like that. So um, I'll stop there because otherwise we'll, we'll start <laughs> getting into the weeds and yeah. <laughs> Well, Aaron, I, I super uh, appreciated Dr. Vanderpoel and what he had to share in this uh, part of our interview with him, and even specifically just uh, him sharing his story and just how honest he was, how relatable the story was. I think for hopefully for a lot of listeners, and uh, I know for myself, it was very relatable, and um, e- even the specific part where. Uh, he commented on the impact of being totally known but also completely loved at the same time and, and how that completely and dramatically changes um, changed how he sees the world and, and how that specific sort of worldview, if you will, is going to uh, change others. I agree, Jordan. I think hearing his story, it was it was just really cool to hear how relatable and authentic that was and... Uh, hopefully that connected with a lot of you, our listeners. Well, in our next episode of The Walk podcast, we'll continue our interview with Dr. Vanderpoy. And if you haven't yet, we would love it if you would subscribe to this podcast. It helps others to even find the podcast on iTunes or Google Play when you subscribe or you, you comment that you show appreciation of the podcast. And also, if you would be willing to follow the Thompson Institute on social media, on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, Doing that will allow you to stay up to date when new podcasts are released and will help you to see when uh, new events are are coming up. And uh, so we would love your uh, help with uh, subscribing, following, and certainly sharing this with other people that you think might be encouraged by these interviews. Thanks so much for listening to The Walk of the Thompson Institute. The personal views presented by the scholars and professors on our podcast do not represent the views of their employer. For upcoming events and for more information, visit the thompsoninstitute.org, a program of CREW at Ohio State.